You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 66 of the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast. So, that was exciting. Man, I'm sitting here. I got my uh got my hot cup of coffee, right? Listen to this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um just as a fun fact, I always drink like that and uh it's really embarrassing to take me to like breakfast restaurants because I'm just I'm just slurping that coffee. Oh yeah. So this time of year, I am just uh just enjoying life, man. My uh my hellish work experience is is you know coming to an end, and uh, work is much more doable now. And I'm just really loving the fall. I love Halloween. I love Thanksgiving. I love Shorehammer. I love Christmas. You know, there's four holidays right in a row that make fall and winter my favorite time of year, and Shorehammer is one of those holidays. And you know what's pretty cute is that uh, my eight-year-old daughter just said that Shorehammer was one of her favorite holidays the other day, which made me think of it as a holiday. She's like, oh man, my three favorite holidays are Halloween, Shorehammer, and Christmas. <laughs> I guess you see the effect I have on my children. Um... You know, I mean, it's it's be pretty cool. It would blow my mind as an eight-year-old to be able to come to a place like Shorehammer and just tons of terrain and just a, just a real spectacle here. Tons of people walking around, whatnot. So, uh, I'm happy she treats that as a holiday because I certainly do. Look forward to Shorehammer every single year, and it is almost upon us, my friends. We have 11 days until Shorehammer. That's right, 11 days. And... What have I been doing in my off time? I'm going to do this out of order. In my off time, I painted some Stormcast and played with them. I love Stormcast. And I uh, I started working on an all-magic army for uh, Cities of Sigmar. That'll be fun. I tested it against Just James and my friend Josh. And I lost by two points at the end. It was like, I think, 13 to 11 or 15 to 13 or something like that. And... um. It was a fun game, though, and I uh, I could probably do a little better if I tried a little, or, you know, I, I changed up the list or, or tried to use it a little differently. I am really not, besides my Grey Knights, I'm really not used to having any armies that are very, very psychic heavy. So I kind of felt a little like a cheesy and a gash player when I was playing them, because I was like, oh, hold on, my Sisters of the Thorn have magic. Oh, hold on, my Battle Wizard. Oh, hold on, my Sorceress. Oh, hold on, my Battle Wizard on the uh, Griffin. Oh, hold on, my Evocators. My Evocators, I mean. <laughs> Evocators. I always mess up that name. Always mess up that name. So, that's what I've been up to. Uh, also been working on a new edition of Brutality I'm excited about. We're going to start getting some uh, chapter tactics sort of things in there. So you can um, add another layer of customization to your army. And uh, that's super, super exciting. I'm also talking... Uh, with people in order to get the rules for brutality printed in book form. Not not finalized that yet. I'm going to wait until the Pimpcron Epic War Planner gets printed, which is, man, I'm on my third editing round. I mean, you don't want to print something and have like typos and stuff. So I am currently running my third time through this book to check for any inconsistencies or typos or whatever. And in the meantime, we're further uh, playtesting all this stuff. And, um, 
this past week, I ran a game of uh, Scenario Mode with my buddy Josh, and uh, it was a good time. He had fun. We played Age of Sigmar, and uh, my book applies to fantasy or for, or uh, futuristic, so it equally works for both of them. And uh, my Stormcast, man, were dropping down all over his goat men, but he was able to, man, at the very last turn, it was a bloodbath. Um, so the mission we had was just survive, and he had to survive, and I was playing the AI. And my Stormcast, man, they were tearing him up. But at the very end, he did win. He, um, I had um, one model on the board, and he had a, a Gorgon with one wound left. And he had his um his wizard, his brayherd wizard dude, a shaman, and he had uh his dragon ogre Shagath. That's all he had left, and the Shagath was almost dead. So it was a serious bloodbath, but he did end up winning winning, so that was fun. Alright, what's the show about? What the hell is this show about? I don't know. Don't ask me questions because I don't know. Um So the real talk for today is, uh, what did I talk about? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, seven heavy, seven, <laughs> seven heavy hobby sins, that's right, seven deadly hobby sins, and, uh, you know, we, we have a little, I, I take you to church a bit, and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna wash you free of your hobby sins. We also have a, well, here's an idea, guess what, well, here's an idea is back, aren't you excited? I'm excited, and it's the secret to painting awesome terrain. And that's going to be like, okay, whatever. But no, no, I'm being serious. There's a very, there's one weird trick to painting awesome terrain. And after all of the literal hundreds of terrain pieces, my friend Bliggity Blam Steve and I have painted for Shorehammer over the years, we have discovered there is one thing you can do at the end of it. And this is not clickbait. This is a real legit hobby thing that I never would have believed had I not, uh, well, I almost said that I discovered it, but it was Steve that discovered it. And uh, he he told me, and I never would have believed it if I had not seen it, and it works great. We also have a Want That or Want That Not Blast from the Past, a model that fell completely under my radar, never heard about it while it existed, and now it is completely out of print. They broke the mold. It is the Forge World Free People Marienburg Landship, and I'll tell you all about that, and that is an amazing, amazing model. So let's get on with the show, and uh, you guys, uh, you guys just enjoy your uh, your fall, and I'll I'll leave you with this. up my nose oh god that is a not that is not a good feeling that ended badly but i guess i'll keep it in want that or want that not welcome to another edition of want that or want that not and tonight i have a special blast from the past model that i was completely unaware of my entire life until now now, I'm extremely excited about this model, so you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say up front, I'm going to spoil it for you. It's a want that 100,000 million billion 
8% if that's how math works. So what is it? It is called a Marienburg landship. That's right. Now, you're like, what the hell is a Marienburg landship? What game does that go with? What is, what is it? A landship? I don't understand. Caradron Overlords? No, it's not. So, apparently, and this is something I entirely just discovered, a Marienburg landship was a Warhammer, Fantasy Battles, Forge World, uh, mini castle sitting on the hull of a boat sitting on wheels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. It is as crazy as it sounds. And I have absolutely fallen in love with this. So, if you feel like looking it up, it's M-A-R-I-E-N, Marian Berg, B-U-R-G, Landship. And I'm going to have to do whatever... I mean, if I got to turn some tricks, if I got to, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'll literally do whatever I have to to get my hands on one of these things. Apparently, it has been out of um, production for like five years. Forge World broke the mold and Forge World said that they're no longer making it. I can see why, because there is a lot of resin in this kit. It had metal, it had resin. I've seen pictures of the old models and um, it's just... It's so insane, it is awesome, is what it is. So, I don't know what the stats were for this, because this never existed in Age of Sigmar, but if I do it, I'm going to have to figure out exactly what I can use it for. Um, I'm probably going to have to kitbash some rules. I was thinking about, um, it's about, it's about twice the overall size of a steamship, and it is just baller, is what it is. So, uh, I think what I would do is I would make this into two steamships, um, if I can get my hands on one of these. I would give it the stats of two steamships together, and that would be what it is. But, you know, this has ramparts on the top of it, and it has the ship deck, and it's all steam-powered. So I'm thinking, how exactly could I give it transport capacity? And what I guess I could do is... Give it... See, Ironclads are shitty, though. Unfortunately, Caradron Overlord Ironclads are shitty. So, I mean, I still take them in games, but they're more of a liability than a help, unfortunately. Which is something that's really upset me over Caradron Overlords, because, of course, I got into it for the ships. I wanted a fleet of ships. I would love that. And then come to find out, once I start playing it, that they just want you to play a swarm army, is the way the rules are built. And I didn't really sign up for that. I mean, it's still a fine army. I can still play it just fine. And I can still fit an ironclad in it, and it doesn't lose me a game. But for the points, they are definitely... It's like 400 points for an ironclad. And its main gun, the thing that you want, is a one-shot hits on a four-up. BFD. So, if I could maybe think about this. If I gave it the stats of a steam tank and a Caradron Overlords uh, whatever, combine their wounds, combine all their shots, combine their transport capacity and their abilities, combine all of that, it would be a 600-point model, <laughs> but it would be, uh, what, 28 wounds, 4-up save? I mean, it would be, it would be awesome, and it could hold 20 models. Yeah, this is... This is something, I would just ignore the fly thing, obviously, but this is something I need in my life, is what I need. So, um, 
it's got an anchor, it's got ramparts on the top of it, it's got shields from all the different um, main houses uh, decorating the sides of it, it's got a big steam engine in the back of it with, um, you know, exhaust ports and stuff, and the picture they have, it's covered in infantry and troops and things like that. It even has a mermaid on its, um, you know, I don't know what that's called, that front pole on a ship. Not the mast, but the pole that sticks out front off the bow. Um, it's even got a mermaid on that. It's just, it is a sheer delight to look at. You need to Google this thing because, um, like I said, it's no longer in print. I was never aware of it anyway. And I'm looking online for it and, oh, they just want like, uh, I don't know, $400 for it. And I am like, fuck that noise. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm gonna have to look around for this. They have it on, um, Ally Expl Express, which... I've always thought that was a really, really shady website, so I, I don't think I'll buy anything off that, but um, I guess Ally Express is like a recast website, I guess, I don't know, but they had a Marion Land ship, and it was like $160 or something, and my understanding is that from Forge World, it was a several hundred dollar um, model, but it's got a big cannon in the front, it's got, you know, a telescope, it's got a mast, it's... It is just so insane and so cool. And then, uh, in the same topic where I heard about the Marienburg land ship, uh, they also apparently in the um, in the lore, they also have something called a cog fort, which apparently is in the fluff for Warhammer and Age of Sigmar, but they've never made a model for it. And there's been some pretty cool conversions online for it, so... Um, I kind of debate if maybe I should make one of those as well and give it some crazy stats, but, uh, it's a lot of people take like a witch fator, that tower wizard tower. Yeah, I already said tower, the wizard building and, uh, put it on wheels or put it on crab legs. And, uh, it's basically a walking fortress and that just seems so cool to me. I don't care if it's good. I just need that, need that in my life. But the, the Marienburg, what's it called? The Marienburg land bridge, uh, land bridge. The Marienburg land ship is a real model, and it's just so baller. So that is absolutely a want that for this. Now, here's an idea. In the triumphant return of Will Here's an Idea... The Pimpcron has some tips for terrain painting for you. That's right. I myself hate painting terrain. That's right. I absolutely despise it. But because of Shorehammer, uh, my friend Bliggity Blam Steve provides about 70% of the terrain for Shorehammer because he is a terrain philanthropist. And we have to paint it all. And it is a very arduous task, but we've gotten pretty good at painting terrain over the years. We have uh, hobby parties and stuff like that, uh, paint parties for Shorehammer. And we bring a bunch of friends over and we, you know, one person primes, one person dry brushes the base color, one person does detail and whatever. But here's one of the things that we learned that um, from years and years of doing this terrain that is absolutely baller and kicks ass, okay? Here is how you paint some badass terrain, and all you need to know how to do is dry brush, and I'm not joking with you. When you are painting terrain, there is a secret to making it look good when you're done, and I will wait until the end of the segment to tell you because, I don't know, I just feel like it. So, 
let's say you're building um you this really applies for any terrain period but let's say you are doing a tree okay let's just say a tree what you're going to do prime the thing black and then dry brush your dark brown on it and then uh pick out some details in the rocks or whatever right um you may may dry brush a lighter color brown on it but it may not be necessary okay hold off on the tree just yet let's start talking about a building right you got this house like a, a witch fator or the old manor thing from age of sigmar and you paint the you know you prime it black you dry brush the foundation you dry brush the walls you dry brush the shingles they can all be different colors it doesn't matter okay then you do the details you do the rim around the door rim around the window and all of that well the thing that really makes uh, terrain pop and it works for this tree and it works for this building is that if you dry brush it very lightly after you're all done dry brush over everything with a cream color and I know what you're thinking because I thought the same thing I'm like what the hell cream color cannot go over everything pimp cron is what I said to myself when I first heard of this but Bliggity Blam Steve has discovered, and boy it works, if you come to Shoreham you'll see it, that I can have a blue roof, I can have red walls, and I can have copper outline of my doors and windows, and I can have gray, um, gray uh, foundation. And if you just dry brush all of that extremely lightly, I mean a dusting, you dry brush that with a cream color, not a white, but a cream color, it will tie all of those different colors together and make the entire terrain piece look as one complete piece. It is amazing how that works. And he's even done, I mean, when he's done it on a blue, blue roof of mine before, of one of my buildings, right? And I'm like, he's like, I'm going to dry brush this cream. I'm like, what the hell are you saying, bliggity blam? All right, you can't just, cream does not go on blue. If you want to do dry brush light blue onto blue, sure. But you're not going to dry brush cream onto my roof. And he's like, oh, no, no, just trust me. And I'm like, ah, whatever, I'll trust you. And damn if it did not look good with the cream dry brushed on the blue. It's so weird, I think, because if you used white, white would be too much of a, uh, too stark of a contrast for a lot of things. Now, we still dry brush white over top of our grays um, if, if the whole model's gray. Like, for instance, we're doing a building, right? We'll prime it black. We'll dry brush everything gray, and then we will lightly dry brush everything white. That's the highlight. And boy, does it look good. The black to dark gray to light gray to white. You know, because if you dry brush well, and you're not an idiot, uh, you should have variation in the grays, you know. And uh, dry brushing white does well only on gray, but it does not work on anything else. And I think it's because it's too stark of a contrast. But... Think about the type of lighting that we have in most buildings. It's either yellow or white, right? We don't have blue light. We don't have red light, whatever. So the thing is, is that everybody loves to edge highlight things, but a lot of times it's not necessary. If you do an extremely light dry brush of cream, it gives the effect of edge highlighting. Like the light is, you know, hitting the corner of all the ridges, but it looks so good. And because it's not white, it's more of a natural color. You know, most things in life, you very rarely, like in nature, find something that's pure white, unless you're talking about like a mineral. And most things are kind of an off color, you know, even like bone and things. It's not bright white. It's it's like a cream color. 
And um, the cream is such a more natural color, and it goes on literally everything. You can put it on metal colors. You can put it on blues, reds, browns, grays. You can put it on literally anything. Um, now, the only exceptions would be that white makes gray pop a lot better, like for an all-gray building. And for black, I would dry brush light gray, or actually I would dry brush dark gray for black. But other than that, that works on all terrain, and I'm telling you right now, you will not regret it. Um, another hobby tip for terrain that we've gotten really good at using is just use a freaking 5-inch brush, or 4-inch brush, I guess. Buy a cheap 4-inch brush from Michael's, uh, from uh, Home Depot or wherever, and just dry brush the hu the thing just at one time. You can get so much terrain painted in so little time if you just dry brush with a massive brush. Because remember, terrain is not a regular miniature. Terrain is a background object and just needs to look good. It doesn't have to look great. You don't have to do every little detail of this building because guess what? Nobody is ever going to look at it that hard. So, like I said, people that go to Shorehammer know that all of our terrain is super top-notch, super beautiful, and uh, the secret is the cream. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. At this point, I would like to take just a moment and thank all of my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling patrons on the Pimpcron Dynasty on Patreon. Starting with the Gold Trim Scarabs, we have Brendan, followed by the Funky Warriors, LT, Nate R, Tom R, and Mandy W. Then we have the Badass Cryptex, Andy B, and Brandon K, and Colin M. And finally, we have our mother flippin' lord, the king of the mountain, Mike C. Yep. So thank you very much, everybody, for uh, listening to the show and supporting me and supporting the show. And it's a great feeling when people actually appreciate what you do. It takes a lot of time to write articles each week. It takes a lot of time to do the podcast each week. And I just truly, truly appreciate all of your love and your support. So let's get on with the show. And in this edition of Real Talk with the Pimpcron, I am discussing the seven deadly hobby sins. That's right. Let's burn some holy incense. Let's don some robes. And we'll jump right into the confession booth with old Bishop Pimpcron. So it should be no surprise to any of us that this hobby is a lot more intensive than many others. Um, magic cards are already printed. Heroclix and Attack Wing and X-Wing and all of them are already painted. Um, Pogs even come decorated as well. Jeez, does anybody play Pogs anymore? I don't think so. I had a really sweet metal slammer. Anyway, we literally have to assemble our game long before ever playing it. But not everybody's interested enough or willing to participate in the hobby like all of us good upstanding citizens are. So the first hobby sin and the most obvious one would be Grey Plastic Legions, right? So this is the most obvious and common one that we see. And I'm not talking about an army that's in uh, progress, like... Oh, you know, I'm in the middle of painting this new army, or uh, half my models are painted, or something like that. I'm talking about a straight-up gray legion. The dude doesn't even know how to hold a brush, is how bad this is. Now, you know, you could say that when we play this game, we make somewhat of a social contract with our opponent, and we're basically agreeing to try to simulate a semi-realistic strategic battle, and we're using miniatures and terrain. 
So a lot of people spend time on their terrain and buy good terrain and buy mats and all that. And a lot of people spend a lot of time to paint their models. Of course, it's your hobby, and you can either paint or don't paint how you want. I really don't care. But it's kind of a letdown when you show up to a fully painted table, and you have a fully painted army, and you're facing a gray tide. Like, that's just, you know, once again, new players, all of that stuff, There's you can look overlook that. But when people have a solid gray army, it's highly irritating. Here, you've poured hundreds of hours into your army, and end up having the mood killed by someone who's literally put no effort into his or hers. He gets the benefit of seeing a really cool spectacle fighting against him, and you get to see unpainted metal or plastic or resin. Obviously, just because you might spend a ton of time on your army doesn't obligate everyone to do the same, but it's a letdown nonetheless. Here's how you repent, okay? Here is your, um, uh, man, I'm not Catholic. Here's your, uh, damn it, what's it called? Where they, they pray on the rosary and, uh, Ugh, shit, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Grab your rosaries, kids. Nobody can tell you that you must paint your army, okay? I understand that. But I think the least anybody could do is pick a base color that they like and spray paint the whole army that color. That is literally the bare minimum possible. That's all you gotta do. At least at that point you have the base colors down and that will make it much easier to paint if the mood strikes you sometime. Do that, and I will continue to talk to you. The second sin of the seven would be crappy terrain. I've been to so many gaming stores that only have a few foam discs of barely painted, unflocked, quote-unquote, hills for terrain. I know that terrain can be an expensive and an already expensive hobby, but what's the point of even painting your army if you put them on a bare board? I have literally played on... Shit, what's it called? Uh, OSB. I've literally played on OSB, which is plywood. Um, I mean, just, just straight plywood. One of our gaming stores had a plywood board that is not painted green. There was literally nothing on it. This was actually before mats came out, and it was just plywood, and we dealt with it. And that was after uphill both ways, two miles. So once again, you've spent all this time to paint this army. You've got a beautifully painted army, and you're going to play on a board that looks like a freaking cartoon. Oh, here's my soda can mountain. Oh, here's my tissue box fort. Oh, here's my whatever bullshit. Look, we get it. We've all played kitchen hammer. We've all played poor hammer. At some point, everybody has played with some crappy terrain. But the people that put zero effort over a long period of time in their terrain, I have the same opinion of than the people that put zero effort into their armies over a long period of time. I'm not asking you to go buy, you know, awesome looking terrain. I'm not asking you to scratch build at all. I'm not asking you to even paint your whole army, but just put some effort into the hobby. I'm sorry, this is not Heroclix. Okay, here's how you repent, though. I know that money's tight for a lot of people, and putting their money into their army is the top priority. I get that. But it does kill the mood when your terrain is crap. I would say at the bare minimum, you should buy a hill or two, at least one area terrain piece like woods, maybe two or three, now that this edition is, you know, all area terrain, and then, like, two large line-of-sight blocking buildings for, uh... Line of sight blocking, which is what I already said. I'm dumb. This will give you the bare minimum you need to have a semi-decent board. It doesn't have to be gorgeous, like I said, okay? If you want to save money, save trash from packaging, you know the whole deal. The cartons and the styrofoam and all that. Um, so, that's... You can do that. You're forgiven now. 
Sin number three is no army transport. Let's all face it. At some point, we've done this or continue to do so. <clears throat> just James. You just have a plastic Tupperware box full of a mound of abused miniatures, and they're just rolling around in there. For my models that aren't painted yet, I don't really care if they roll around just a tad, because my painted models get first priority in the transport, for obvious reasons, right? You want to protect the paint. If there's room after the painted ones are in, then sure, the bare ones can go in. I don't, I don't care. But I've seen so many people just toss fully painted models into Tupperware containers with no foam, no bubble wrap, no nothing. Then they just tumble around in there during transport, and they're chipping paint and snapping off spindly bits and all that, you know? Um, now, while R. Kelly may not have seen anything wrong with a little bump and grind, it makes me cringe, okay? I've seen Just James pick up handfuls of his painted models and just chuck them in a Tupperware box. <laughs> I'm like, why are you doing this? Uh, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the game, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, I guess it's just your own funeral. So, I mean, do what you want. You're wasting your time and your money. But it would be much more acceptable if you just transported your miniatures. I mean, just do that. Be a responsible adult. Here's how to repent, okay? The very least you can do to keep my heart from hurting when I see you mistreat your models is to buy some bubble wrap for your Tupperware. Put one layer down. I call this little, this little, I call this the lasagna method. You put one layer down. You cover it in minis, then put another layer down, etc. This will mostly keep your stuff from being damaged, and you might look slightly less homeless with this ghetto transport. Okay? We're on to sin number four. Priming with white. And the audience gasped. Okay, I know the whole um, contrast paints you need to prime with white, more or less. I get that. But... People, I've seen so many people, this is really aimed at the people that don't know what they're doing, okay? Certainly you can prime a model white and then paint it and make it look great. Certainly you can do that. But for the layman, for the speed painter, for the person that just wants to get their army painted and be done with it and does not enjoy painting necessarily, like myself, uh, you do not want to paint with white. Okay, now I'm sure many of you white primers, quote unquote, are gawking at this notion and you're about to disagree, but you need to hear me out. For experienced painters, white can be very helpful and it obviously can help as a base coat for lighter colors versus black because with lighter colors, if you get a primer of black behind it, it ends up showing, you know, like soaking into the black and you got to put several layers on. I get that. Although, in my opinion, I use that to my advantage. It soaks into the black, and there's my shading right there. And then I paint, like, let's say if you've got a square of surface. I prime it black, and I'm painting white, let's say. I will prime it black. I'll paint white all over it, dry brush white all over it. And then once that soaks in, you dry brush white not to the edges, but just in the main part. And when that dries, you dry brush just in the center. And boom, you've got white shading right there. Tough act to Tanactin. So, I'm not going to go on a huge diatribe about this, because I'm sure you can find hours of opinion on the web. But suffice it to say, there have been more than one new player that I've seen paint his army white, I warn them not to do it, and they don't listen. Then three months later, they come back and they say, wow, I started priming with black and it's so much easier, and I smack them right in the fucking face. And I'm like, guess what, bitch? 
I already told you that. Yeah, I don't make friends very easily. It's it's a problem. I have no friends. Um, <laughs> the reason for it, like I already explained, is shading. Okay, when the primer black and dry brush a color, it doesn't get into the far recesses of the model. It hides a lot. So sure, you may not have painted your armpit of your Space Marine, right? Like, you know, you primed it all black. It's important to get the primer in all the cracks. But once you prime it black, you dry brush the damn thing. And it's already shaded. There's no need for wash. I mean, you can wash, but there's no need for wash. Because if you dry brush properly, it looks beautiful. So, white, on the other hand, needs to be covered in every single little area. And, like, for instance, my Stormcaster primed white, and then I double washed them with the Drucci Violet, or whatever it's called. And, um, the problem is, is even after I fully paint a model... I will, like, a month later, look at the model, and I'll see one little corner somewhere of white that the wash did not hit. And I'm like, darn it! And I'm like, Newman! And I'm like, Stella! Anyway, I'm just I'm just being dumb. But you get the point. Where black hides all the things. So, here's how you repent of this. Do yourself a favor and prime with black unless you are either an experienced painter or the main color of your army calls for it. Like you're using contrast paints, right? Okay. Sin number five. Mixing colors. I've been over this on the podcast before, okay? Another thing I would not suggest for the average hobbyist is mixing colors for your main army color. The problem is, unless you are very meticulous with measuring different pigments, you will have a very hard time making the same color in the future. Then your army won't be consistent. One of my closest friends, <laughs> just James, uh, did this with his towel. I've mentioned it before. And he wanted a particular color pink, and he mixed it, and he loved it. Right? This is like the, the giving tree. And the boy and the pink were very happy. But months later, the boy came back to the pink, and the pink was dried up. And the pink was like, I'm sorry, boy. I no longer have any wet paint to give you and the boy was like oh it's fine I'll mix more paint and then the pink was very happy but not for long after a little while the boy realized he couldn't remix that exact color pink and then the pink was very sad and then the boy was very sad and then he never ever ever went back to painting his towel ever again that's essentially, I mean, I don't even have to tell us say anything else about this. <laughs> that's essentially the story. And that's why you don't mix colors. Dude, GW and Vallejo and P3 and um, I think even Terrain Crate, there's a million brands of paint out there. I mean, and you could even venture into the Michaels paints if you really are uh, wanting to be hurt. Uh, but it just, just don't mix paints, okay? If you're mixing paints, like, for one time, but for a whole army, that's different, you know? I'm certain... Look, if you if you want a very particular color of green, they have, like... GW alone has, like, 15 shades of green. If you cannot pick one shade out of 15 that you like, then I'm sorry. You just, you just go ahead and mix your colors and be miserable. But that's how you repent, okay? Just use GW colors or someone else's. Okay, and now, sin number six is bad proxies. 
This is probably something we've all done at one point. This shoebox counts as a land raider. This salt shaker is a commissar. These raisinets are my fire warriors, right? We've all done that. You get the point. But the problem is when things get taken to a ghetto level and you never buy the model you're proxying. I've mentioned this before, too, in other podcasts and other articles. Like, proxying a uh, Dark Eldar Raider for a Ravager, right? They're essentially the same ship. They have different weapon loadouts, but essentially they're the same ship. If you went to proxy for that, nobody would ever say a word, right? Or a Rhino for a Razorback. They're the same chassis. They're very, very similar models. But I know many people who have just never taken the initiative to get the real models they were supposed to have been proxying for for years. And while you really can't hate on anybody in this hobby who may not have the funds to buy these awfully expensive models, this should be some sort of time limit on proxies. So, I mean, I do have an entire army of squats that are really space wolves, but you realize I did that for a creative purpose and not for a cheap purpose. You get that, right? Here's how you repent. Um, try to get the real models eventually, or at the very, very least, make sure your proxies are good imitations of what you're trying to represent. Try to make sure that they have the roughly the same size profile, you know, for line of sight purposes, and absolutely put them on the right size bases. That's really more, that's what matters more, is putting them on the right size bases. Because you can do some really cheesy, cheating, cheatery on, uh, messing up with bases. Um... You know, your bases are too small, so you fit more models in, or your bases are too big, and you um, can, your R abilities go farther because your base is larger, that sort of thing. Don't, don't be a dickhead, okay? And finally, sin number seven is not listening to the pimp cron. Any person I see not listening to my warnings will be mailed an angry letter and a picture of me looking at you all stern-like. You hear me? I really shouldn't be giving out such threats. That's, that was pretty harsh. But it's already been said. I'm not deleting it. Too bad. Okay. I tell you these things for your own good. Papa Pimpcron is just looking out for you. And even though I know I'm not your quote-unquote real father, your mother and I care about you and want you to be happy, slugger. <laughs>